0: country with your host, Dave Woods. This is the radio show where country music gets up close and personal. Spend some time in the country and get to know our guests. Spend some time in the country where the music's the best. The latest news and memories to great stories that get told.
1: My pleasure now to welcome to the show, it's Ontario's own Thomas Wade, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, his music career, and uh, a very special show of his coming up in Hamilton on April 29th at the Lincoln Alexander Theatre, and we'll give you details on how to get tickets and all that. It's going to be an amazing show called An Intimate Evening with Thomas Wade, the story of a voice lost and found. Stay tuned for a great show, and my pleasure now to welcome Thomas Wade. Hey, Thomas.
2: Hey, Dave. How's it going?
1: It is going great, and uh, great to have you here. And I'm really excited uh, about the music we're going to look back at and listen to and also talking about the big show coming up at uh, the end of April.
2: Yes. Yes, I'm very excited about that. That's kind of a kind of like a homecoming in a way for me. Wow. Because, yeah, because when I, when I first, when I left off, in 2002, when I when I basically had to pack it in, um, interestingly enough, the last show I did as Thomas Wade was in Hamilton at the um, Hamilton Place. That was the last show I, I did as me, and um, this will be the first time that I'm on stage, you know, as just me, I'm no... You know, nobody else there to help me out, just me. So this is a real homecoming for me.
1: Uh, incredible. And let's uh, give our listeners some of the background on this very powerful story that you lived through and got to the other side. But for those who haven't heard you and I chat about it before or heard you chat elsewhere about it, let's talk about, uh, you know, the uh, story behind the story of A Voice Lost and Found.
2: Sure. Well, um, basically, you know, at around 2001, I had had, um, you know, quite a bit of success. I had, with my dad, Wayward, we had seven CCMAs and three Juno nominations. And, you know, I'd had another album out that was doing really well. Um, uh, Running Away With You was a top ten single my first mm-hmm. single on my own and it went top 10, which is pretty good in, you know, in those days. Oh yeah. It's yeah. really good these days. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I had no idea what was coming. Um, it seemed to feel harder and harder to sing, but I just assumed mm-hmm. that I, you know, needed to go and get some more lessons or, you know, get, get some help or something or something, maybe a, an allergy or something was the cause of it. I had no idea. And uh, then, Christmas time um, in 2001, I had a show in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. And uh, I went to sing, and this sound came out that was just terrible and uncontrollable. It wasn't mm. like a sore throat, or it was just the strangest thing I've ever experienced. And, um, I, of course, hoped that it would go away, but it not only didn't go away. Um, I struggled with it for another year, and it just—it was a lot like, if you can imagine, what it would be like to sort of fight against being in quicksand. You hmm. know, if you were, if you were fighting against that, and you know, right. for the first while, you got a lot of strength, and you're able to keep yourself up no matter how hard it is but eventually um i just uh i just sunk and uh, and i couldn't sing at all anymore and that was it so in 2002 i um i sent out a message saying that i had reti- was retiring uh but i don't think i actually sent out the name of the reason that i retired yet that was that was quite mm-hmm. a bit later Okay. Because uh, I didn't get diagnosed till 2006 And by 2006 I could no longer speak clearly I sounded kind of like I'd had a stroke And um, and I couldn't sing either And I was diagnosed with uh, oromandibular dystonia And um, I always say that just means I can't talk good
1: But uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's a long word too, uh, long name well, that's the thing. Ten, ten <laughs> syllables for, you know, for somebody that can't
2: even order a coffee. So <laughs> it was something. Um, and the prognosis was um, nothing. They couldn't do anything.
1: So. Oh, my goodness.
2: <laughs> so, wow. yeah, it was – a pro- yeah, it was um, – yeah. Uh, and it's complicated because, in a way, you kind of feel like – You feel strange because You're able-bodied There's nothing wrong with you You're not gonna You're not gonna die from it But at the same time um, The thing that you were living for is gone So Mm -hmm. How much How much worse is it (laughs) So It's very complicated
1: But um, That emotional toll Uh, for anyone, obviously not being able to talk and communicate uh, is, is a huge toll, but the fact that singing music is your life, uh, what was, I mean, can you even describe or take us back to emotionally how you were doing? Obviously not very well. Well, strangely enough, you, you know, it's something kind
2: of, kind of like if you imagine the person that's in a battle. When they think about it afterwards, they can think about it and go, "Man, that was terrible." But while you're in the process of it, what was going on with me was I was just—I guess I was in shock for a lot mm-hmm. of it. Um, and and I I I needed to find a way to survive. That's that's what happened with me. It, I didn't really have time to sit around and. And worry about it because actually the the amount of money that I had to spend to even find out that there was nothing more that could be done for me basically took care of everything that I had. So, oh wow, I didn't have time to sit around and um, you know even feel bad. You know I had a had a son and you know a young son and and uh, you know I just uh, got together with my wife Denise and um, <laughs> so. And when she met me, I was some kind of a, you know, relatively well-known singer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A year later, sorry. uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was very complicated. And and there were moments of pure devastation, Um, but a lot of just determination to kind of say, okay, I know what I can't do. Um, and I can't do anything about what I can't do, so what can I do? So I, I just refocused myself on, on writing and wrote like a fiend and uh, and worked on producing other people and being a music director for people. And um, that was good. It, it was good to, to be able to continue doing something like what I do, but it was mm-hmm. – pretty torturous to have to stand behind other people who are singing. Um, You know, you can try to take that with um, as good good a humor as you want to, but it's pretty hard to not remember from time to time that that's not, you know, this is not what I signed up for.
1: Absolutely. And I want to continue with the story, but let's turn to some music, Thomas, so we can uh, remind people of an early hit of yours, and then we'll pick up the story uh, from where we just left off and talk more about the show specifically coming up uh, the end of April at the Lincoln Alexander Theatre. Doors will open at 7, the show at 8, an intimate evening with Thomas Wade, the story of a voice lost and found. Uh, Let's go back early in your career, Thomas, to 0-60, to Yeah, This is a great tune. What can you tell me about it from the time, maybe a bit about the writing, something special about the song? Well, this is one of the first couple of songs I wrote with Cyril
2: Ross. And, and um, I just remember we really hit it off. I think we, you know, we just, we really connected well. And um, I think there was something in just sort of that, you know, my guitar Riffing kind of thing, and and his lyrical sensibility, you know, mm-hmm. like a white knuckle dead run, that one that nobody ever knows exactly what I'm saying. That's his, you know, very American <laughs> approach. So, right, uh, right, Yeah, it was it was a great time writing with him, and and uh, the video was just a great stroke of luck. Mm-hmm. We got the perfect sunset for that one, and. You know, just everything fell together. Everything came together. It was top ten song, and I think it's probably one of the one of the two or three most successful things I ever did. So,
1: great song. Well, let's uh, head back in time and listen to it now from my guest Thomas Wade. This is zero to sixty on in the country. <laughs>
0: so many white lines. Life got lost in my own signs. But he was going places never crossed his mind. What well, Jet the head was leaving behind. Zero to sixty in the blink of an eye. It was all just a blur as he blew on by. On a white knock line of cars, but he still in the lead. Oh, there's friends and family he never knew well. And dozens of roses he'll never smell. And if he could sit up, he'd see it all now. Life will pass you by if you don't slow down. Zero to sixty in the blink of an eye. It was all this
1: Thomas Wade, my guest here on this episode of In the Country, and a great song from him, Zero to Sixty. Uh, you can learn more about Thomas at thomaswade.com. And uh, we've got some more music coming up on the show, including a cut from his album called Blue Country Soul, which is a terrific album that came out uh, not too long ago. And we're going to hear uh, the only song on it, I believe, on the album, this particular album that you didn't write.
2: Yes, that's correct.
1: One and of we'll the we'll talk a bit. two
2: songs ever that I didn't write. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. And I I know that last time we talked, when we were talking about producers, uh, I believe you told me that you've produced everything that you've ever sung on. That's true. (laughs) You can only take your own Uh, advice. uh,
2: Control freak or what? (laughs) No, I I just worked out like that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> um, I guess because uh, I was a, uh, you know, I went to school to be a producer, and I already thought like a producer, and I was already, you know, some people get to be fans of of uh, different artists or different guitar players. I actually never got to be fans of any guitar player except for, you know, some of the obvious ones, um, you know, you know, Scotty Moore and James Burton and you know Chet Atkins, but. I was a mm-hmm. really fan of producers
1: that's that's who I sort of really connected with
2: you know
1: so um so by connecting with them uh Thomas I'm gonna gather that you learned early on that the production of a song uh is really key. You can have a great song which you gotta start with, but the production will uh take it to another level or it won't that's right uh. I mean in, in many ways um I write
2: like a producer. I um you know that's that's kind of what I do. I when I'm writing a song, I don't think in terms of of doing anything that's as raw as some people might think because I've already got it very much finished in my head. And uh, mm-hmm. so that's that's just kind of the way I've always approached it. And, um, and so, um, yeah, I've, that, that's sort of kind of where I came from. So it was really hard, hard for me to even think of going to somebody else, you know, to, to be, to get another producer, you know, when I'd grown up being influenced by guys like Billy Sherrill, you know, and George Martin and people like that. Oh Yeah. And these were the people that were my heroes, and um, I learned so much from them that it, I didn't. I, and I had so much vision of, uh, about a song um, uh, right from the get-go that it was, you know, really hard to, you know, kind of let go and go. Okay, well, I'll let somebody else have this vision. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you last time, I, you know, one of these days, you know, if some if somebody really different and, and, you know, really, you know, somebody really awesome, whatever they would want to, but if they ever did want to <laughs> produce me, it would be, yeah. yeah. You know, I would love that, going to go into a studio that was something that wasn't my, under my complete control, but they had their own cool thing to offer. Um, you know, I'd love that. I'd love something like that.
1: That'd be cool. You could focus on the on the singing and let them kind of do that creative thing with production, and maybe it might come out uh, sounding a bit different than obviously something you would do on your own.
2: Yeah, I'd be all for that. Um, That's cool. Even potentially somebody who's wants to do a different a different take on music, uh, you know, because there's so many different styles of music mm-hmm. that I would love to do i mean i'd even love to head over even a little bit more to the you know the great american songbook but with a you know more of a ray price taste that period Mm -hmm. of ray price i really love you know for the good times and all that kind of stuff so So, i mean somebody was oh man it just when I heard that Billy Sherrill passed away, I was so upset. I was like, oh, come on.
1: <laughs> the only
2: guy I ever wanted to produce me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, that's, and it's just so cool to hear you talk about just how important the producer is. And uh, obviously, artists know that for sure. Sometimes fans may not realize that, what, what a key thing that is. Uh, but I want to cover with you about your show. I know, uh, well, two things. One is... Um, I assume there's going to be storytelling, and you'll talk about this journey that you're mentioning tonight, but also I understand you're going to cover songs that uh, from artists that have influenced you over the years.
2: Yeah, and that part's really, that part's going to be really exciting for me, because one of the things that happen when you are a new recording artist, which that's basically all I had experience with when I, when I was on tour and when I was on stages um I I was basically a new artist singing my own songs so I didn't really get to do the stuff that I grew up with I didn't get to sing the songs that brought me to music um in front of a big crowd and uh but those songs are really mean a lot to me and and really, if anything, has been, you know, instrumental as much as anything else, probably those old songs are as responsible for me getting my voice back to the point where I could stand on a, st- a stage and sing again. Um, and so, you know, Jim Reeves and um, Elvis. You know, I don't know if I told you I played Elvis Fest last year. Right. Um, which was pretty cool. What was that
1: like? Yeah, was that a lot of fun?
2: It was surreal. <laughs> I mean, you you kind of think that you know what it's going to be like till you get there, and right, and there I am, and I'm like the only guy who's not dressed up like Elvis. <laughs> I'm the only guy who <laughs> right. have like a pompadour or a fake pompadour <laughs> or fake sideburns or anything, and I I could totally feel the people looking at me at first, going, "What's Going on here, he
1: don't look <laughs>
2: like Elvis.
1: <laughs> yeah, something different about him. Were you singing Elvis yeah. songs, but you just weren't put putting on yeah. the, uh, the look? Yeah.
2: No, I was. I was singing Elvis songs. I just picked ones that I that I really loved, and for me, that was another thing. You know, Elvis is one of the main reasons I became a singer, and so getting to sing some Elvis, I had a ball. I, I had a total ball, and nice. it's a huge crowd. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're looking it's out there going, wow.
1: Yeah. and Do uh, so you have cool. a favorite I'm glad. favorite Elvis song?
2: Oh, my God. Favorite so Elvis many. song. There's so many. I think uh, of the ones we did that day, my favorite one was Don't. Um, Lever Stoller tune. Nice. Um, I really love that song. Um, you know, there's a lot of them. That's when
1: your heartache begins. Um, wow, lots of them. Oh, I mean, that's that the, the thing the with him. System. His yeah, they just went on and on the list of uh, hits and great songs. Uh, it, on that night, so you talked about Elvis. Uh, on that night, who are these artists that people are going to hear uh, you covering?
2: Going to hear Jim Reeves going to hear Marty Robbins, Um, obviously Elvis, as I said, Mm -hmm. Um, might hear, I'm still considering this because there's a whole kind of other side to my musical etymology that a lot of people don't know about is I I also at one point could have gone off and been an R&B singer nice and I was just as into R&B as as anything and I actually was invited to join a 15 piece R&B band and I sweated over it and I finally said you know my heart is with country music I just have to stay with it and uh, I don't know what would have happened but I'm glad I made that choice
1: so I might do some Bill Withers because I oh, cool. just love Bill Withers <laughs> awesome and that R&B sound you talked about in the Motown sound, that side of your uh, voice and your musical tastes uh, can be heard on Blue Country Soul, which is your latest album. Uh, and I'll encourage our listeners to head to iTunes. One of the songs from it uh, we're going to play a bit later in the show. But that's a great album. You must have enjoyed putting that together because it, it, it does have a different side of uh, how you sing and, and the type of songs you choose.
2: Oh, I, I totally loved it. And part of the part of the idea was that I I was kind of becoming a different singer than I was back in the old days. Um, I kind of didn't have a choice because I, I had to completely rele- relearn how to sing for as much as I learned how to sing uh, from the time I was a little kid by listening to the radio and listening to records and, you know, just singing all the time and listening to my idols and trying to emulate them as best I could, that kind of created a certain singer. And then once, you know, my vocal cords and my ability to sing all those parts, people, this this is a thing that's hard, hard for people to kind of grasp because talking and singing seems to be so natural. It seems to be something you just open your mouth to. Um, people that are, have been singers for a long time, And especially, you know, like somebody like a Faith Hill or somebody like that, who has a lot of technical skill in their singing, can tell you that you don't just pop out like that. You got to work to become that singer. Mm -hmm. So after all those years, I was at my my voice was basically atrophied, and I couldn't do any of that stuff. So I learned how to re-sing by. Um, rather than going to uh, somebody to teach me how to sing, because that just seemed stupid. I'd already been a singer so long, I knew exactly how to do it. I just couldn't do it. So I looked for songs that I loved, and I just, a little at a time, just tried to sing slowly without demanding my, anything of myself how to relearn how to sing these songs. And wow. the style of song that I sang is very much what happened why Blue Country Soul is what it is. It's sort of the singer I developed into. Hmm. So
1: interesting a, so you Yeah, it was quite a journey. You actually brought your voice back as you said earlier. There wasn't much doctors could do or uh medicine and all that could do, but through these exercises with singing these songs, uh you were able to get your voice back yourself. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and it basically I started being able to talk and sing some uh, February 2010, and um, and it took me about it took me six years to be able to sing well enough to make an album, and um, you know it takes it takes. Uh, I guess that makes sense. Probably the first time I was on stage singing was when I was about six years old. So <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes sense. So it took that long to get that far. And then, to, to, to be honest with you, it's taken me. I still I sing every day, and I work on singing. And I'm still working at getting it back. And part of the thing about this show is that there are certain songs of mine like lying here with you, that I I've stayed away from. Uh, I've only sang it a handful of times in the last uh, sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, it's so hard. And it's a powerful song. That's right? be demanding. Wonderful. It's powerful, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rangey and um, you know, it involves singing complicated parts really softly, and involves singing really. Passionately, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just—it's
1: not a kind of song you want to start with. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, it's a great song, know. one of my favorites, and I—I I did see recently on YouTube one of those performances you mentioned over the years. It was at Musidium a few years ago, and I thought it sounded great uh, lying here with you. And uh, I've always loved that song from from the first time I heard it.
2: Thank you. Well,
1: I, I was—that's.
2: Uh, it it didn't do chart-wise as well as some of the other songs except for on vi- on video but of course it was a number 1 video mm-hmm. um but uh probably i don't know if you saw i posted something today um just to try to you know keep going with the uh the invitation the event thing which i i'm terrible at all that stuff i don't know what i'm doing i'm just trying <laughs> <laughs> and uh I posted a live i don't know if you, you you probably remember this it was it was um one of those uh kiss um concerts in the park. It might have been their first one okay and it was uh, down in the beaches so I posted blind here with you from from that concert in i guess it was ninety seven and uh man. <laughs> plus Plus the leather pants and all that Well, <laughs> hope they don't expect too much out of me Because that ain't happening <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was a cool look back in the day, wasn't
2: it? You know what? It was a cool look But there's something else about it That I traveled really light I used to go on the road With my leather pants <laughs> My boots and a couple of T-shirts rolled up, and other than that, just my day clothes. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you roll up the leather pants. You didn't have to, Do anything with them. You roll them up,
1: and put them on. They look great. So that was perfect for me. <laughs> Let's, uh, I just want to, again, uh, let people know, uh, and maybe some specific details now. Um, it's an intimate evening with Thomas Wade, the story of a voice lost and found. Uh, the date to put on your calendars is April 29th. It's a Saturday evening. Doors open at 7, show is at 8. Uh, it takes place at the Lincoln Alexander Theater in Hamilton. Uh, I understand it's $25 general admission, Thomas. And then uh, for $35, they get VIP tickets, and that includes a meet and greet with you. That's correct. Very cool. uh, Yeah. Uh, Ticketfly.com is where they get tickets online. Ticketfly.com or at the box office. Uh, We'll talk more about that. Let's turn to a song now. Uh, Midway through your career, and a lot of people love this song. Uh, I've seen when you posted it online, comments. uh, But it's I'd Say It Again, which is a beautiful love song. Uh, Tell me about it, Thomas. Um. Well, I wrote this song
2: with uh, Nisha Sheridan, and um, Nisha is a cool guy. He ended up uh, in Nashville, and I, I wrote a few songs that have ended up on, on my recordings, And uh, but this was uh, sort of a, you know, kind of a strike like lightning kind of song. I don't even know. It just happened. You know, we started a little Mm. guitar part. Yep. And, uh, you know, I guess I, I was in sort of a transitional relationship thing and (laughs) the song just (laughs) poured out. And, um, I really enjoyed the recording process of that as well, because, uh, I used orchestra London, um, arranged by Peter Brennan and, uh, Peter Brennan, um, from London. I had, uh, five, five tracks from that record, which is called Lucky 13, um, that were done with the orchestra. And, um, that was, boy, I'm telling you when you're listening to your music and it's got a, an orchestra Mm. playing with it, that's something else. (laughs) Yeah. So that's one of the high points for sure. And the video was, was a real blast to, um, except uh, in the, you know, I'm outside freezing my buns off. But, you know, at least they forced me to kiss a pretty girl. <laughs>
1: it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, my wife didn't dig it as much as I did, I'll tell you that. Okay.
1: <laughs> anyway. That is too funny. Uh, well, let's share this lovely song now. This is Thomas Wade. I'd say it again here on In The Country.
0: i going to say that oh, But I'll never take it back I didn't want to go there But now that I'm here holding you I just couldn't hold it back I was so deep in your eyes Breathing your sweet, sweet sighs Oh, I know I took you by surprise But I'd say it again. I love you. I love you again and again. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I say it all night, every day. big mouth you and your soft lips oh said the first thing that popped into my head was it too much too soon to tell you what can I do now but, oh I stand by every word I say I'm so scared I'll scare you away I'm so lost in this emotional wave but I Stay I say it again. I love you. I love you again and again. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I say
1: That is my guest, Ontario's own Thomas Wade from Burford, Ontario. And, man, that is such a wonderful song. I'd say it again. You can find many of Thomas's songs at iTunes and a lot of his videos at uh, YouTube. Uh, we're going to get to another song before we wrap up the show shortly uh, called Am I That Easy to Forget? But uh, I'm sure you're probably going to tell the story uh, the night on April 29th. But uh, during all this time with your voice being lost in 2004, Celine Dion recorded a song you and Beverly Mahood wrote called "Come to Me." And again, I'll repeat that name: Celine Dion recorded one of your songs. Yeah, I think I've heard of her. <laughs> She's not bad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was really something. I got to tell you, that was a lifesaver, and um,
1: it's real,
2: real gratifying to have something like that happen. And um, yeah, I, I, of course. It uh, you you can imagine that it was
1: probably well timed. Wow! In what many what a, ways? Yeah, what a time for it to happen. And the song itself is so lovely. And tell us a bit about that song. It's called "Come to Me," and uh, it's it's so very touching. It's actually a song that um,
2: that I wrote for my son. Hmm. And. The, I don't think I set out for it to be that initially, but uh, it was an experience of I I was down in Nashville um, staying with Beverly and we were writing quite a bit and there's this thing when you're the primary guitar player on the stuff you write that after a while you start worrying that you might be repeating yourself. You might be playing the same kinds of things on songs. I didn't like that idea. It kind of bothered me and i i was pretty spooked by it and um i get that way i have to i have to maintain my craft i I can't go limp so right i got up in the morning there wasn't anybody else up and I tuned my guitar so i couldn't play it and Mm. uh and then figured out whatever i could figure out and the beginning part of that song like the if you listen to her version, they basically completely hoisted my guitar part. And uh, that that riff, uh, I just heard the chorus come out of it. And wow. um, and that was basically it. And it just fell together after that.
1: And how did you find out uh, Celine was going to be recording it uh, for her album, Miracle? Did, did you get a call? Was it an email? well it was it was a very strange process because
2: i mean i would have thought that it would be real obvious and this is happening and then yay and then feel good and then it happens right but it didn't happen mm-hmm. like that yeah. i was told that that uh, david foster had heard the song and had basically said yeah i, I want this song um this is for Celine and that's that and that's what i was told but then as as far as whether or not she recorded it or was going to nobody ever seemed to know so i was just you know of course pins and needles for months oh yeah and um and i don't think i even really knew i didn't really find out until the actual album was released and uh in the morning um of the release date, my wife, I, get, I, I think it was October 4th. Um, m- my wife, Denise, got up in the morning before me, went to Walmart, bought, it, bought the thing, and woke me up playing it, playing the song. So oh I didn't really know it was on it
1: until, until the day I heard it. <laughs> wow. <What? laughs> what a way to find out and what a way to be sure that it was on the album uh incredible and obviously during that time uh, anytime you would have found out that news incredible to uh to know that and to have that to your name oh yeah um, I mean to this day I mean that's that's something
2: that that's something I can that certainly carry with me no matter what mm-hmm. I do that you know if I try to get in on a session with somebody Doesn't hurt to be able to say that Sony Dion's recorded a song of mine. (laughs) That's right. So,
1: yeah. Give you some writing credit. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So. I want to uh, turn to another song here on the show. Uh, It's from Blue Country Soul, your latest album, Thomas, that is available at iTunes. Uh, And the song is a cover song uh, from that album. And you said in your whole career it's only the second time you've done a song that you haven't had a hand in writing. And this is Am I That Easy to Forget. Uh, Tell me about choosing it for the project. Well, part of the reason uh, that I recorded it was – I actually would love
2: to do an entire record of songs like that because mm-hmm. these are songs that I grew up listening to and songs my mom used to sing. Um, when, I, when I started being able to when, play guitar, when it all kind of came together, I don't know if I would have been – I started playing when I was four, So I think by the time I was certainly about five, we were all sitting around the table, and my mom was singing, and she used to sing that song. And there are other ones too. There's some, uh, you know, I mean that that song was recorded by so many people, Marty Robbins and Jim Reeves, um, to name only two. And there's there's a ton um, of people who recorded that song but I, there were other songs too there were some jack green songs that i was interested in because i love jack green um, there's a whole rap to them that i would have loved to be able to do but i you know as a writer um, you can't you kind of have to try to make a little bit of royalty money so <laughs> very true you can't yeah you can't be put i mean someday i'm going to do it and say the heck with it but Mm -hmm. to do this i had so many great songs written with my good friend tim taylor um Mm -hmm. yes tim wrote all but you know he wrote all but um two songs on that on that record and they're much too good to to ever pass over for even a cover song but Mm -hmm. this one song totally special song that uh that I've been singing since I was five or six years old. So it it was a, you know, it it, it was something kind of a bucket list thing. Uh,
1: Now, I understand, Thomas, uh, we're going to be hearing Am I That Easy to Forget? Uh, And it was originally done by an artist named Carl Ballou, uh, who wrote it with W.S. Stevenson, and then it went on to have uh, a bunch of other artists recorded, too.
2: Yes, it was. It's... Got to be one of the most recorded songs. I mean, uh, that would be a really interesting uh, uh, statistic to uh, to check out because Mm -hmm. um, that if you if you just punch that in,
1: you'll see it's crazy how many people recorded that song. But he had a number one with it. Let's, uh, let's hear your version now. We'll come back, chat a bit more. My guest, Thomas Wade. This is from his Blue Country Soul album. Again, you can get that at iTunes. This is one of the tracks on it. All the other songs he had a hand in writing, but uh, this is a cover song from it. Thomas and Am I That Easy to Forget, Odd In the Country.
0: They say you found somebody new But that won't stop my loving you How can I let you walk away? Forget the love I had for you Guess I should find somebody to But I... that he I'm that easy to forget. If I'm that easy to forget. If I'm that
1: And a great classic sound from my guest, Thomas Wade. That is Am I That Easy to Forget from his Blue Country Soul album. And as we get set to wrap up here, Thomas, uh, I'll go through the details again, uh, which is a great show coming up Saturday, April 29th. It's happening in Hamilton at the Lincoln Alexander Theater. Uh, you can get your tickets for $25. That's general admission. will get you VIP tickets, which includes a meet and greet with Thomas. Uh, Again, the Lincoln Alexander Theatre in Hamilton. Uh, Tickets available at Ticketfly.com or at the box office. And uh, it's an intimate evening with Thomas Wade, the story of a voice lost and found. You'll hear uh, him talk about what he talked about on the show tonight, about his voice, losing it, getting it back, everything in between. Plus, you're going to cover a whole bunch of great songs, including your own songs, of course.
2: Absolutely. I'm going to be pulling out some songs that uh, that I haven't uh, sang live for a while. Um, it's going to be a mixed bag, you know. Uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I've also got to, my brother, Terry, is going to be playing bass and singing harmony with me um, on his big old upright bass. And uh, my good friend, Mark LaLama, is going to join us on piano and vocals as well. So it's definitely going to be intimate. And um wow. well, I'm really nice. looking forward to seeing this uh fine venue, um which it is actually, just it's, it's a it's very well kept secret secret. It's a beautiful venue and has a great sound. So uh this is definitely a show that people um if you're a music lover, this is a, a good show to go to.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be a great show, uh, great music, and there's so many of your fans out there listening and that will want to uh, attend the show and get those tickets because it's going to be a journey through your music uh, and your career. This is awesome. Thomas, thanks so much. Always great to have you on the show to chat and, of course, to, to play a lot of your songs. Thank you so much, Dave. It's been a great chat. Awesome. Once again, my guest has been Ontario's Zone. Thomas Wade, and again, his website, thomaswade.com. I'm Dave Woods, and that'll wrap up this edition of In the Country.